So diving deeper into some of this fun stuff. As the chakras came out of tantric traditions, kundalini, and are an integral part of yoga philosophy, they are psychic centers of consciousness, right? So we're literally assimilating and transmitting all of these life energies that we just went over in that kind of flow of how the nervous system evolved, but how yogis view the nervous system as the flowing rivers of energy and chakras. Now that science is using parasympathetic and sympathetic to kind of teach people how to self-regulate and tap into their um, vi uh, vagus nerve. Um, it's just really, really fascinating to me. Um, let me see if there's anything else I was going to say about the vagus nerve. Because that wandering nerve is told to decrease depression and anxiety, lift your mood, create a warm, fuzzy feeling like a free hug, right? And um, it helps to thicken, this is huge, brain tissue so it keeps us young and helps your brain emit new cells. That means that like a lot of people who practice yoga or meditation and do diligently and really make it a part of their lifestyle, their nerves, which yogis knew a long time ago, help, help them to stay really young and youthful, right? Yogis don't count their life by the number of years. Yogis count their lives by the number of breaths. And that is huge, right? If we can slow down our breathing and really get our vagus nerve to engage, and some researchers say, and you know, I don't know the exact science behind it, but some researchers have proven that it takes about five to six really good cathartic breaths to get your vagus nerve to kick in. Isn't it interesting that that handout that I showed you of like kind of those Ashtanga moves, you're supposed to take five deep breaths in each pose. Uh-huh. Oh, wow. If you can get into the pose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so these 72,000 lines of communication and subtle layers in the body trigger sensory integration and they trigger your vagus nerve to calm you down. They have so many powerful influences in the body-mind. And um, what else is kind of interesting when we were going through those sheets is that all of these seven major centers are located near, near the major nerve ganglias of the endocrine system. That's kind of fascinating, right? So all of your major endocrine system things, like things that help you to grow, your thyroid, your parathyroid, things that help you with your sexual organs to keep you so that you're, you know, can um, procreate so that you can function properly. Like prostate issues are huge, right? That's all first and second chakra as we start going through this. Um, a high degree of nervous activity emanate from these areas and the spinal column that Americans or Westerners or scientists believe as the endocrine system, but yogis believe as the chakra system. Um, so the chakra has been described as called the wheel, right? So we've been saying wheel a lot. It's also the great wheel rolls across the sky like a blazing chariot is where it comes from, 
the idea of the eternal cycle of time. And better known for being a vortex of energy or a wheel or a disc. Can you see the first one? Mm -hmm. The great wheel that rolls across the sky like a blazing chariot. What's the number one job of a yoga teacher? What are you teaching? Breath. Breath, right? But I think another amazing job of a yogi teacher is to be a storyteller. So if you think about it, all of the books that we have written about from the Bible, from Yoga Sutras, from Aesop's Fables, um, and we'll learn a little bit about the word, the Upanishads and the Vedas, and any other way to teach something was an oral tradition that was finally written down into stories, right? So that's why when you were like, what's that line? The great wheel that rolls across the sky like a blazing chariot was part of an ancient story, right? But it was also used to describe the openness of the chakra system, right? So it's fascinating how um, stories and words are so powerful, right? To communicate. Um, your chakras are pranic energy centers in your subtle body. So you can think of these wheels of light or these chariots or these discs or vortexes, almost like core centers. And in these hubs, they're conduits for prana. They're called wheels because they appear as vortexes of energy for people who can see auras or energy. And they help us to coordinate our systems as they climb up the spinal column. So when these reservoirs of untapped energy are fully awakened, that's when self-realization and enlightenment happens. So someone who is, uh, do you like to cook? You're like, mm -hmm. I cook out of necessity. Yeah. I have to do, voice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you like to anybody like to paint? Mm -hmm. Anybody a runner? Mm -hmm. Or into sporty mixed sportster stuff? Mm -hmm. Anybody ever read a book and it was so good that you don't realize that you got from point A to Z? Like time just like mm -hmm. just disappears, right? Mm -hmm. That is called to us Americans being in the zone, right? But that, to a yoga person, is when your chakras are open and you're in this heightened state of awareness. We'll talk a lot about this tomorrow, though. Like The idea of, like, there's an eight-limb path, but it's like a wheel. And that wheel is constantly moving. And if there's a wheel where something might be broken, like if it was like a bike spoke, right? one of the spokes broken, it can still roll, right? But if like six of them are broken and it's a seven-spoked wheel, it might not work so well, right? And that's the idea is like you can find these in-the-zone moments pretty easily even if a couple are broken. But the idea is that this integrated system works together to help you transform so that when you are um, 
in this space and you're like, oh, I'm gonna read these things and think I have a block chakra or something's wrong, you're still going to be able to be in the zone. You're still going to be able to get into this space of enlightenment. But that might be the time where you're saying, what about me? Or won't someone notice me? And you're pushing and you're fighting and you're trying so hard to make something happen. But actually, it could have just flown effortlessly if you would have let go and listened and breathed into it. So, yeah. The interesting thing about these states of consciousness is that uh, chakras exist in many dimensions and um, they contain information about the body, but in many schools of thought, they come from the school of Kundalini. So can I talk a little bit about Kundalini? Everybody yeah, interested? Yeah. Yeah? Okay. Because this is a lot where we talk about the idea of um, Shiva and Shakti, Kundalini, who are really showing you that symbol for healing of the um, Caduceus. The snake that's at the base of Patanjali's image that I'll show you tomorrow that is kind of tied in with the idea of kundalini um, leads up to two-winged petals. It's not always, you know, like the wings aren't always shown as wings. Sometimes they're shown as petals. And there's a two-petal lotus flower that are as part of the chakra system in your book. So the kundalini process can be understood with reference to the structures of the subtle energetic sheath enveloping the physical body. Its most important component are the pathways or channels in which life circulates. And the concentrated energy pools are your chakras. So we've been talking a lot about now how there are 72,000 nadis or meridian lines of energy in your body. And these little flowing rivers of energy are what we now know of as the nervous system. So these conduits allow the um, spine, which is the hara line that I was talking about, this golden line of energy to open up, right? So all of these energies um, and pathways open up and allow you to access your higher states of consciousness. But if they're blocked, you're kind of screwed, right? So this pathway of nerves along the spine opens up, they call it serpentine power or serpentine energy. Kundalini opens up um, in a helical fashion and they cross over each other um, and they're called the Ida and the Pingala. And this is in that um, meditation manual that I just handed you with those pictures. But the Ida is um, like pale and feminine and the pathway as a result of overall cooling or calming effect. And the Pingala is reddish 
male or sun, and its pathway is associated with activity. So that its life force ascends between these two channels, causing a flux in the um, aura or the energy field, right? And they're kind of dancing with each other, and that's why we get into this male and female idea, or positive and negative. And this dance of life is um, really dependent on the predominant flow of the life force through the left or the right nostril. And yogis try to create an even flow through the nostrils. In that meditation manual I just handed out, when we talk about alternate nostril breathing, or alternate, they say that every 90 to 120 minutes, breathing switches from one nostril to the next. When you practice yoga and open up your vagus nerve and get into that parasympathetic nervous system, then you are opening up and creating evenness between the two nostrils so that you're balanced. So that's where the word equanimity and that's where the word balance comes from is that your life force that's ascending back and forth can be weak or dominant. But as yogis, we're working to create an even flow. And that's the ideal condition when that central channel is open that's the ideal condition to awaken kundalini. The principal task of, um, is to regulate the rhythmic flow of the life force in such a way that it gathers at the lower opening of the central channel and rushes up towards the head, right? Because if you're open, that shashumna nadi, your spinal column, your hara line is open, your spine is open, then your shakti, which is at the base of the spine. So shakti can mean to be, to have power. And, or to be able. And shakti is an upward current of liberation. Moves towards freedom and expansion and like universality, right? That's that kind of like mothering, nurturing stuff, right? And then your Shiva, your Shakti power, sorry, I'm going to go back to Shakti for a second. Your Shakti is inherently divine power, or it's the goddess energy. There's lots of restaurants, they call them Shakti, or there's products called Shakti. Shiva is called the ultimate reality, and that's the seed of consciousness, right? Because male has the seed, right? But they need to meet, they need to dance in order to blossom and make baby. So the Shiva is the seed of consciousness, that pull of soul and body, or a downward current, a current of manifestation. And so Shiva moves towards form density, boundaries, contraction, right? So the idea is that like you take something that's really a wild, crazy, out there thought and then you make it earthly, right? You can make it into an actual project or product. So I've got, uh, I want to make uh, something to hold things together, right? And I'm concepting and I'm coming up with really interesting things. But I actually have to, 
funnel that down and make it an actual thing, right? Or <coughs> I have this thing that works, I don't know what it is, and I'm gonna get up to that ideating place where I can name it, right? So this male and female energy, this uncoiling of, is hinted at at the word Hatha Yoga, the union between the sun and the union between the moon. <coughs> Once the channel is open, it creates a kundalini fire, and it's an awakening that cannot be manipulated or controlled. And that's where you transcend the ego. And it's that marriage between God and goddess because it's going back and forth in this really nice open conduit <coughs> this golden hara line. And that's why it's shown as these snakes dancing. This is making sense. And then when you do that, you, re you reveal the true nature of your being and you discover freedom. So what happens is that our human psyche is uh, actually psychoenergetic. Like, so there's psychology, right? But it's psychoenergetic. So we're literally talking about these energetic points in our bodies and when we're balanced and the male and the female work together, almost like yin and yang, because that's an, you know, it's coming from the same philosophy, so you can think of that picture. When it's harmonious, everything is effortless and you're in the zone. So you have to get all these um, kind of ego stuff away so that you can find your infinite bliss, so that you can find your authenticity and that's why on the front of your manual it says shift happens right because you can be in this space of freedom all the time if you really start integrating and transforming your body and your mind to work as one so that you can uncoil any blockage and then be free like those wings One of my mentors always says to me, and I'll repeat it again tomorrow in the Yoga Sutras, but a bird can't fly with only one wing. Right? That wheel can roll with maybe one broken spoke, but if most of the spokes are broken and that wheel is trying to roll, it's going to go... So we used to call it a nervous breakdown. Now people just say... I need even time to myself, <laughs> you know. There's no stigma to having blockages, right? It's how do I show up and be my best self and work through it instead of using it as a crutch or a story. And that's what the first celebrity yoga therapist, Patanjali, was trying to teach when he was teaching about... Um, the Yoga Sutras, it was like a way for right living, which we'll talk a lot about tomorrow. 
Um, let's look at page one of your is all this weird stuff starting to make sense of the idea of the chakras and how they all came about and how similar they are to the our central nervous system and our uh, nerves and So the earth survival or grounding is your first chakra, and that's the muladhara chakra. What I think is kind of cool is these little paragraphs that I kind of use to describe everything. Um, we can go around in a circle since I'm getting sick of hearing myself talk. And does anybody want to start and read that little paragraph about it? Sure. Okay. <laughs> our most basic needs for safety and love are based in our root chakra, which is represented as red. Primal energy, our survival, is dependent on our having shelter, food, air, water, and love. It's what connects us to this earth and allows us to live. The root chakra, based in the very bottom of the spine and the tailbone, represents our very basic needs. Like Maslow's hierarchy, if our basic needs are not met, we cannot fathom moving to a higher level. It says, I live. Resting place of the dormant kundalini, goddess energy, shakti power, our yoga practice encourages the sleeping serpent to awaken so that it can rise through, the, through and vitalize all of our chakras. When you begin to balance your root chakra, you will feel sensible, stable, and secure. Mm, thank you. So a lot of this is broken down to kind of like um, body parts, sense, element, planets, all that cool stuff. Gift when functioning and challenge when not functioning and imbalanced. It's kind of fascinating. So if you look at, it affects our physical body. It's a four-petaled lotus. Your body parts are your lower limbs, your legs, your feet, your adrenals, kidneys, spinal column, all that good stuff. The gifts when functioning is that you're connected to earth, your life force, centering, all the, you know, some of the great words that you all were already using to explain it. And have you ever felt any of these feelings? Loneliness, insecure, ungrounded, unconfident, abandoned, indecisive, obsessed, feeling a little bit anxious. There's all kinds of words there to kind of describe when it's not functioning, what your blockage is. Your sense of smell is a huge part of your um, first chakra. The element is earth. And then it's got the planet and the animals, essential oils. And it's interesting, too, when you go through this, you'll be like, oh, I have always loved this essential oil. It's almost like a touchstone for you, that, like, when you smell this, it just makes you feel really good. I was talking to a friend today, and she was like, I used to only be able to meditate for three minutes, but I started meditating, and now I'm up to 19 minutes. And you know what helped me? I've been burning this incense, because she likes the smell, and it just, like, really kind of amps her down. It's kind of fascinating. Um, the foods 
to keep you really grounded are like root vegetables, protein-rich foods. The color is red. If anybody's into stones, like I'm into gemstones, they have all kinds of gemstones to wear. I know people who wear specific colors just to like help with a specific chakra that they might be working on. Um, herbs, too many to name. Um, musical note, C, metal, sense. Bij mantra means the sound of the chakra. Very, an om is a bija mantra, so it means a seed. Um, healing, things to do, uh, just like, you know, to like, as it said, wear red stuff. Um, yoga poses to help align this chakra. You as teachers or becoming teachers, this is something that might be really interesting when you start to go through this book when I'm not around, but the idea of how a specific pose can literally work to align the chakra, right? And uh, I like this quote from Thoreau, how heaven is under our feet as well as over our heads. So we really do need to be firmly rooted like a tree so that we can stay healthy and flexible. And then it gives an opportunity for a mindful moment meditation. Um, does anybody have the time? 718. 718, okay. So, um, would you like to do a little bit of a meditation? Or are we going to sleep? As we get prepared for our root chakra meditation, begin to just really experience yourself sitting calmly and comfortably. Notice the breath and close your eyes. Feel the incredible sense of freedom as you just give yourself the opportunity to experience the full energy of your root chakra. As you take your focus to the pelvic floor, and your eyes are closed, see the image of a cord of energy stretching downward to the center of the earth. Feel the Shakti power uncoiling. Feel the ease and support of being right here and right now. As you inhale and exhale, begin to sense balance, a deep connection to your life force as you open up to the abundance of this moment.
Feel the safety of the breath as your lower limbs your kidneys, everything, your legs, your feet, everything is just flowing and open with this beautiful Shakti power. Breathe into the areas compassionately yet powerfully. Let this vibrant red color and this vibrant energy empower you. Begin to let go of any limiting patterns that bind you. With every breath you take, truly release any blame Confusion, shame, guilt. Let it all dissolve from your body as you feel the primal earthy energy of stability. Activate this energy. Allow it to help you to express your needs. Setting you to your inner foundation. Stabilizing your body and providing a sense of unshakability. Truly experience the energy of your root chakra. as you inhale and you exhale. Feel how vibrant you are. As your body says, I live. And gently guide your hands in front of your chest. And real calmly rub your palms together back and forth and back and forth. And begin to take your hands over your closed eyes. And when you release them, we'll move forward.
oh, you guys are going to be sleeping by the end of class. <laughs> when you see the root chakra, a lot of times the um, mudra that people do is the gyan mudra. So um, the gyan mudra, um, I put in the chart that's next to the nadis chart, I put a picture of the mudras. That's okay. So you can see how the thumb and the index finger touch. Uh, people often call this the mudra of the cosmic consciousness. Um, and uh, so when your palms are in this mudra and your palms face up, you're drawing in energy. When your palms are facing down, it's like you're circulating energy through your body. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Now that you're starting to kind of play around with this idea of energy, that when your palms face up, it's, you know, it's more like you're drawing in. But when your palms face down, you're really taking yourself through. Um, another thing that's kind of interesting is, uh, this is a sign language for <laughs> but each as you can see on this page each mudra has a different um, uh, uh, energetic effect and mudra by definition is uh, called uh, mudra is an energetic um, oh, I'm having a brain fart sorry uh, it's an energetic um, it sends pulses through your body so uh, that um, like if you touch your thumb and your index finger like we were just doing in the mudra for the first chakra and you start to feel your pulse that <clears throat> yoga poses stay in your central nervous system in your nerve plexus for 24 hours uh, mudra is said to um, last in your body for about six hours. So say, like, I saw you were in the second chakra you, when you were doing your meditation. Um, so um, that's why a lot of people meditate when they're doing this, uh, 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 mudra. But also a lot of people, um, if there's something challenging going on during the day, they'll take a little bit of a break and they'll just go and do a breathing practice and a mudra because it can flip the switch in your energetic lines of communication. A mudra is just an energetic seal. That's what I was trying to think of the word, energetic seal. Took me a second. Yeah. I was like, the lights are out. I want to go to bed. And now they're back on. And I'm okay. So we could try, if you would like to, for each one of these we could do a mudra but i always like just to do the uh gyan mudra when i'm meditating and sitting or but there's some references to some cool things i like putting in the yoga poses to help align because i think that really helps would you like to try one yoga pose um, for the first chakra? Sure. Yes. 
Who love who likes restorative yoga? Yes, I do. Yeah. <laughs> right? It's it's what we don't like is what we need, right? Yeah. So a lot of people who are really high active, high energy, um, very successful, the first thing you want to do is like have them do something really mellow and basic, and they freak their shit out, right? Yeah. But then they, they, they fall in love, right? To me, the hardest pose to do is um, Shavasana. The hardest and the most effective pose is corpse pose because you really are in a space of relaxation or yoga nidra, which is how we'll do our final postures tonight is in laying down in Shavasana and nidra. Um, so garland pose, malasana, um, do you ever do malasana? Why don't we do a malasana twist together? So I've had lots of discussions with people about this, but um, one of the big things is that this is how people in other cultures eat. This is how other people have babies. This is how other people um, take a number two. And this is why the squatty potty is so effective, right? Because it makes your... Uh, behind in the right position but this another definition for malasana other than garland is the idea of this is the pose to remove obstacles <laughs> so it's the pose of evacuation <laughs> right elbows inside the knees hands are to your heart and then you just lift up your chest but then the goal is is can you get your knees to press on your elbows your elbows to press on your knees and your spine erect top of your head extending from your tailbone Good. And then what I really like to do in this pose is a little bit of a twist. So slide your right shoulder down inside your right knee and take your right hand and sweep it down to the ground and then reach your left arm up. Beautiful. Twist, twist, twist. Might have to have a bathroom break after this. Definitely. And then take and bring the left hand down and palms back together, elbows inside, heart is lifted. So it's almost like your thumbs are to your sternum, lifting up and elevating your chest. It's like a little hook. All right, now slowly and compassionately reach your left hand forward and just draw a line on the floor until you can't move that hand anymore. Press the palm down. Take your right arm and sweep it up. Some people like to touch their low back. You can also do a bind where the left and the right hand meet. But you're just twisting and opening, and I heard someone's shoulder pop. Mm, look back down to the ground. Right hand sweeps back down to meet the left. Palms connect. Heart is open. Good. Now the idea is when you're practicing yoga and you're trying to do uplifting things and engaging the bandhas, then you exhale all the air out. And you squeeze your magic parts. <laughs> and you breathe up, and it's supposed to be uplifting and lightening. <coughs> and then let's release our hands down to the ground. And our hips go high to the sky. <coughs> and then slowly roll up. Try and take three deep breaths to roll up to standing. 